It's one of the biggest games on the planet, a derby like no other. And with both teams trying to prove they're the best of the rest behind the champions by Munchen, this Revere derby means even more than usual. Sein Leben lang. Hallo, meine Lieben, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English-speaking Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the world blues, speak to the English-speaking fans of the club, get the point of view across, and bring you game highlights. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about them with articles as well as we as we stumble upon them. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing this Sunday, Jack? Victory Sunday, Richard, and not just any Victory Sunday, a Revere Derby Victory Sunday, the best kind of Victory Sunday Absolutely. there is. I am still flying high from this morning's events. How are you doing? I am as well. It's uh, It was a very, very good game, and... Uh, you know, we had a Riviera Derby, so joining us on this very special episode, we get a little Dortmund perspective, if you will. And with that, we bring in a Dortmund supporter who grew up in Bavaria, Germany, of all places, and moved stateside in 2005. He is a contributor to BFB Buzz and Yellow Wall Pod. Please welcome to the show, Critty Smith. How are you holding up, man, given today's results? Uh, so nice. I watched it twice. Um, yeah, my, <laughs> my, uh, I could be doing a little bit better, but... Uh, Doing fantastic, all things considered. Uh, Dortmund really, uh, they, 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 they really kind of crapped the bed today. And my hat's off to Tedesco. Fantastic effort today. Uh, got his tactics brilliant. And, I mean, I, I, I got to say my congratulations to Schalke. I mean, just absolutely well played, gentlemen, well played. Jack, uh, it was. We were unsure how what what kind of performance we would see in this one. We we weren't sure if we'd get a lot of goals. It was a very defensive one. Uh, what we had though was uh, pretty much a tactical masterclass by Tedesco, pretty much shutting down the options of of Dortmund uh, from pretty much all ninety minutes. Yeah, Dortmund never really got going on the offensive end. Schalke were very well organized uh, today. Came in with a with a good game plan, and uh, ultimately it was pretty comprehensive. 
All right. So since it's uh, we don't want to rub too much salt in the wound just yet. Well, maybe we do. Let's just, let's let's get on with it, Jack. Before uh, before Critty gets off of this uh, this podcast here. So uh, what do you say? Take it away. Let's do it. All right. And this one, uh, Schalke coming to this game. Uh, well, let's look at the last time we played these guys. Uh, when we played back in November, this game was, uh, certainly an interesting one. If you, if you missed it, a shame on you. Uh, especially if it's a Schalke podcast, if you miss it, if you miss a derby, what's wrong with you? Uh, so as we all know, Dortmund bounced out to a four nothing lead and, and within the first 25 minutes, um, they, they, they slammed Schalke with goals. Schalke didn't know what to do. Tedesco made some changes early on with, uh, putting in Goretzka and Harit, made some halftime adjustments, then they stormed back, ultimately ending with a Naldo tie game, tying the game in the, in the 93rd minute, uh, game would end 4-4. Really, it felt like a, a win in that one, Jack. Um, we go into this one though, uh, both teams are kind of finding their way now. Um, you know, Schalke are second place with 52 points coming to this game and Dortmund were just one point behind. Uh, from a Schalke perspective, we were we're not playing the greatest of, of of football at the moment, but we're still in second position. We're getting the points when we need them. Yeah, as you said, the uh, the previous encounter, the reverse fixture, was an emotional roller coaster in every sense of the word. And uh, you know, this one had the added pressure on top of it being a Riviera Derby of you know the Champions League uh, qualification implications kind of lingering in the background. So uh, you know, Schalke had that that nice run of six consecutive wins, but then uh, kind of dropped the ball last week against the worst team in the Bundesliga, Hamburg. Um, and you know, we were looking to see whether or not they were going to be able to, you know, reset from that. And maybe that was even a good thing potentially to kind of get them refocused and not, uh, you know, too cocky riding that winning streak heading in. Yeah. We talked about how we talked about how dangerous it could be if you went on there on a big win streak and not knowing what a loss felt like for so, such a long time, they could just let the game slip from them. Critty, uh, bring you in here for the Dortmund perspective. Mm-hmm. You guys, while you guys were in third place, you have been playing better under Stoger, but it's been an up and down ride for you guys all year. Well, what kind of, momentum if any were you guys having i mean you did beat stuttgart uh three nil the week before i believe it was or three one uh but so what kind of momentum were you guys in or what was a what was the state of mind in dortmund coming to this one uh, i think the stuttgart wins three nil it looks good on paper but honestly it was really kind of fool's gold because if you look at the first 38 minutes of that match uh, stuttgart um really had dortmund flustered it was um really really poor football and it has been poor football for a long time uh, Stuttgart uh, really is relying on individual qualities of his players. You got Marco Royce, obviously a fantastic player. Mar- Mario Götze has been, com- you know, uh, to me was the player of the Hindle. He's um, been completely decimated under Stuttgart. There's there, with with no concept and and lack of tactical philosophy. Uh, a player like Mario Götze goes to the wayside because he relies heavily on being in a disciplined, structured system. Which uh, with with Stuttgart, it's it's street football. It's um, you know, lots of crosses, uh, lots of lots of runs, lots of uh, runs off the uh, opposing opposition's last man's shoulder, trying to get in the box, trying to get. I mean, it's just it, it's 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 unorganized, and I don't know. It, the, the the rule of thumb this year is if Schalke has you one nil, the match is almost certainly over. You guys are extremely disciplined. Uh, you've given up just over a, sh- a shed over thirty goals over the course of the season. Uh, three of them to Hamburg last week, which is to me still baffling, un- kind of unexplainable. But uh, you know, everyone has the you know 
it, even Bayern sometimes loses to like Gladbach when they when they obviously shouldn't. So you, everyone gets the mulligan. But uh, to me, Schalke were absolutely uh, the much better momentum side when it came to what have you done for me lately and look at the last two months of results. Uh, Dortmund's kind of been uh, getting these 1-0 lucky wins against Gladbach, 1-0 lucky wins against Hanover. It, it just had to come to a halt at some point. And Bayern München really exposed all their weaknesses uh, in one one ninety minute session, just completely dismantled them, and I didn't think, honestly, that Schalke were going to uh, have too much problem with this game. To be quite honest with you, I really thought it was going to be a safe. Uh, I was going to say two one. I thought that Dortmund would probably get an equalizer or uh, maybe cut the lead two two one at the end there, just to make it look prettier. But uh, and I think if uh, Batshuayi uh, maybe it, 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 that, that last run where apparently he destroyed his ankle, maybe you get that one goal back, but it just complete dominance uh, on the part of Schalke today. And, and, and Dortmund really didn't have the momentum. I think a lot of people thought they had coming off that Stuttgart win. I think a lot of people that were inside the game and saw this, this for what it was last week, it was a uh, kind of a fool's goal three, no win. Yeah. So you, you did pick up that three, no win, but as you say, it was a slow start and really took that um, yeah. accidental Pulisic cross goal to kind of jumpstart you in there. And then obviously the week before you had that, 6-0 drumming at the hands of Bayern. Very different sure. class of opponent, you know, those two teams, obviously. But um, was there anything uh, in terms of a trend, kind of a pattern that you've seen in both of those games that was worrying you heading into this matchup against Schalke? Well, yeah, I've been seeing a pattern for since basically December. The fact that there's, there's uh, you know, even before Royce came back, it's it's a lot of, uh, it's a lack of tactical concepts. I mean, with Peter Bosch, you could say at the least, you know, When's the last time Dortmund, you know, goes out and scores four goals? Well, you'd have to go back to the Revere Derby back in November. They scored, you know, obviously 4-0. It's, it sucks when Schalke beats you twice in one season. And, yes, they did win both of these games this year, so let's not get that twisted. <laughs> um, the points say four, but I'm telling you it was really a mental six. Uh, there, there's just been the, – the, the trend has been that there is no consistency in attack. They're, they're, they're unorganized. They, they – uh, let me tell you, the, the one thing that's very worrisome – uh, over the past four, five, six weeks is the uh, lack of consistency, the hesitation, and the uh, slow slowness of the counterattack. Uh, they, they, they seem to always there, – there's, there's people making runs, and the, uh, the player with the ball either misses his teammates or uh, makes the wrong decision, makes the wrong pass, takes too long to get the ball there. And in the buildup, they're completely predictable. They're – is no creativity. You have a guy like Götze who can be a magician, but you know you're playing him. To me, he's a number eight. Uh, I, I want to say that you know Bosch. I mean, Bosch had him as a number eight, and, and Stürger obviously slots him in there at the ten. I don't think he's a. I don't think he's a true center attacking mid. I think he's he's best utilized uh, in that eight role, and that eight role inside of a a, a, a sound tactical system. Uh, Bosch, say what you will about him, at least he had a philosophy. And implemented that, and so Dortmund were more successful offensively under Peter Bosch because they had they had something they could chew on. With with Stürger, it's just it, it's get the goals however you can get it, and that's why you're seeing a lot of one nil Dortmund wins. That you, where honestly, it's just because they have better names on the back of the shirts than the other team. That's all it is. And I think that's a really good point. I mean, especially the thing you mentioned about the counterattack not being decisive enough, especially against a team like Schalke, um, mm-hmm. who is so defensively organized and get, does a really good job recovering in those situations. I think you saw that a number of times when, uh, you know, there was a turnover and, and Dortmund had an opportunity. They ju- they just didn't move the ball quickly enough, and they allowed to get Schalke to get numbers back behind it um, and kind of shut it down. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Um, there was, uh, you know, before the um, second half, it, it, it really, I mean, Dortmund to me seemed almost lethargic in the first half. Uh, you had uh, one or two, one, one or two shots on goal. Fairman was never really challenged. Um I think one. I think they have one good opportunity, if I recall, in the first half. Uh, Fairman uh, Berkey had a good save, I remember, and of course Fairman had had had, had a couple of saves. But the second half, uh, Dortmund were starting to come around after the one nil dropped, and uh, Konoplyanka basically. Uh, it, 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 another pattern that's really bothersome is the fact that Dortmund seem to only wake up when they're either when they're punched in the face. So they have to be down one nil before they actually start playing football. Well. Schalke seemed content to go and let Dortmund come at them because Schalke is too well organized. They, they, every man knows his position. They've got their marker. They're not going to lose it. It's just not going to happen when you don't have a philosophy. If you're not a Bayern, if you're not, you know, you can have great individual players, but then if you have a system on top of that, if you have a way to break the other team down, that's what Dortmund's lacking. So I don't think Schalke ever feared conceding once that one nil was up, but they did. Dortmund did improve. Uh, they had a number of counterattacks, but again, like you said, it, it, it was the indecisiveness and basically the, the 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 making the wrong decisions at the wrong time when you have only a certain a very short window to make the right decision. And Schalke basically always got reorganized before Dortmund could actually could actually take advantage of the opening. So you you, you do that um, against a team like Hamburg or somebody, maybe you have some success. But Schalke is, this year under Tedesco, it's if you you got to come up with something better than that. Jack, it's uh, it's interesting hearing a, a perspective from other than a shock perspective on you know how the one nothing games appear uh, appear to be. So he says you know Schalke look very comfortable when they're in, when they're up one nothing in other games and, and in this game. Uh, but you and I we see it differently when it's a one nothing and we're we're a little bit uh, our hands are clenched to our seats and worrying the whole time uh, waiting for that second goal, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, that's we talk about that a lot. There's a lot of times where we either get off to a slow start and wait until the second half to get the first one, or even if we do get the first one in the first half, um, we don't take the opportunities to kill the game off and get that second one. And, uh, you know, it, our defensive record is is, is very good. Um, and at some point, you just kind of have to trust that that's actually um, an accurate reflection of what's happening on the pitch. But there have been a number of games where, you know, even though we don't concede, it looks like we're going to and we just somehow don't don't break. So, yeah, uh, it is interesting hearing, you know, Critty talk about that, how, you know, once Schalke is one nil up, it's pretty much uh, over. Maybe that's just sort of the uh, what Schalke has conditioned me, the heartbreak over the years that I'm, I'm not as confident. But um, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, they have been an excellent defensive side this year. Critty, uh, I'm curious of what you thought about the the lineup for your for Dortmund coming into this one because you had you had obviously Berkey in net and you had Piszczek, Socrates, Toprak, and Schultz, uh, Schmelzer in the back. And you had uh, Dahoud, uh, Shaheen, Pulisic, Royce, and Philip in the midfield, and then Batshuayi up at, up top. Uh, no Gotza in this one, no Sherla to start. What what do you what you what do you make the mentality of Stoger in this one? Did you think? I mean, what's up with Gotza being on the bench? Has he been in that bad form, or is Stoger doesn't like him in his in his game plan? I was absolutely furious, absolutely furious. Um, you have a German international World Cup winning uh, midfielder on your bench um, that despite, in, in, in spite uh, of, 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 of Stürger and, and his efforts to basically make Mario Götze irrelevant this season, I still think that Yogi Löw will select him for the World Cup. I really hope so because, if you, like I said, if you look at the – Track record for Mario Götze under uh, Peter Bosch. He was the best player for Dortmund in the Hinrunde. There's no denying that. Um, I know 
uh, you were on the uh, Yellow Wall podcast last week, Richard, and uh, yeah. Lars Pullman. Lars Pullman agrees with me on that. That yeah, absolutely, Mario Götze was the best player for Dortmund. You don't um, lose that kind of form if you're that kind of player at, at such a high level as he is, unless you know the, the system and the tactics change. So it's it's under. It's not that Sturger doesn't. I don't think it's uh, anything personal. I just think that basically Sturger is clueless and and lacks all cre- all any kind of ingenuity whatsoever when it comes to actually getting Dortmund to play a certain style of football. Their roster construction right now is is, is set so up that it's um, a lot of Klopp holdover players, which, um, in my opinion, I don't know if Dortmund noticed, but Klopp's in Liverpool doing really good things right now. He's no longer in Dortmund, so it might be <laughs> wise to maybe move on from some of these players. Peace check's okay. Socrates is a ball-watching uh, center back who loses his marker far too often now. He uh, lacks focus, concentration, and especially I watched back the goal uh, for Konoplyanka yeah. probably about 10 times today. Yep. And when Kyle Jury was coming down, you could see the 18 on the back of the shirt coming down. Three Dortmund players surround him. There's uh, uh, Konoplyanka's making the, on the run to the left, and no one is even close to him. Socrates actually goes in to 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 stop Caligiuri. If if two Dortmund players can't stop Daniel Caligiuri, then we've got issues. And you bring a third one in, which is Socrates, who should have been, you know, who should have seen that Piszczek lost his marker, which would have been the 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 right back. Uh, Konoplyanka coming down the right side, then moved to center. Well, Socrates blew that. By the time he gets there, it's a one on one versus Berkey, and it's and it's one nil. That's the kind of focus that I, I I didn't see. For instance, when Mats Hummels was in the back, and and, and that that. That, honestly, more than any other player that's departed Dortmund in the last five seasons, that's the one that hurts the most because that was the, the defensive captain, the guy who knew uh, where everyone should be, was organized. He was the, 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 the structure. And when you take that structure out, the rest of the foundation, the building, it falls down. These Dortmund back line is, um, I, I would say, below, I mean, maybe average at best. And Bundesliga Schmelzer, um, I credit him for the for, – I mean, the, the, the goal started with him not being able to have a, a, a first touch. I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't even that the ball came at him that hard. The pass seemed like it was a standard pass, and he, he just lost complete control of it and gave the ball away. And, I mean, Schalke on the counter was just, was just brutal. So many decisions that Dortmund makes now seem to be, um, you know, for these veteran players, these guys that are in their late 20s and early 30s, you would think that, uh, you know, maybe you lose speed and physical attributes over time, but you definitely gain knowledge and, and uh, you're able to read the game a lot better. Uh, I'm not seeing that. And as far as Shaheen goes, Nuri Shaheen is quite possibly the slowest player in the Bundesliga. I don't know if anyone... Uh, That's slower than Naldo. <laughs> hey, but, but Naldo... Naldo with seven goals is better at 35 than any center back that's playing for Dortmund. I mean, it's it, 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 that that's clear cut, un, 100% unequivocally the truth. And so he makes up you know, for it in, in terms of like game intelligence and also decisiveness about when to jump out and challenge somebody. He usually gets there right on time and makes up for his lack of speed. But yeah, I hear you. Absolutely. And and as far as aerial balls goes, uh, one of the best aerial uh, players in the Bundesliga, hands down. So this, you know, Shaheen. I think uh, turned in a decent performance against uh, Stuttgart, I believe it was. And Sturga seemingly it goes with the hot hand. So it's like, okay, well, you know, it's, it's rotational between Castro and Shaheen and whichever really poor number six or number eight you want to put in there. Whoever's having the better of the two, uh, they get to start. And Schroeder is um, – a very curious case because, of course, he's actually Dortmund's most expensive player ever, which is uh, quite odd 
um, considering some of the names they have. But um, he just can't seem to find any kind of consistency. He couldn't really do it under Thomas Tuchel. He couldn't do it under Peter Bosch. And he obviously can't do it under Stuger. I think he's got one goal on the season. Uh, complete waste there on the wing. Uh, absolute must sell this summer. We, we, we've got to get rid of uh, his, his, his wages and also see if we can find anybody that will just take him off our hands. The, the other question I have for you regarding the lineup is just uh, this is something I was thinking about. I don't know how you feel about it, but mm-hmm. um, Pulisic. I mean, I know he's he's almost almost always played on the wing when he's played for Dortmund. But when you have Marco Royce in the center of the pitch, would you ever consider switching those two and having Pulisic play more of that sort of number ten role in that four two three one, and have you know Royce kind of back out on the wing where he used to be for most of his Dortmund career? Do you think that suits either of those players a little bit better? You talk about the lack of Goethe. Um, in the middle of the park, and there are times where I feel like Royce is maybe a little bit more direct and would be suited to kind of going off the shoulder where Pulisic is maybe a little bit more creative and you know could kind of uh, you know pick out some passes and do some clever things in the middle. I think absolutely. I think that's an excellent point. I think Pulisic actually on the wing he suffers because too many times he actually dribbles into uh, the, the, the the basically the, the touch line and uses and, and a lot of teams use that as like a, another defender against him because he, he dribbles himself into trouble or into a corner and he can't get out. I think his actual uh, skill and strength do lie in, in in you know midfield, especially his attacking midfield. Um, and yeah, if you, if you go with, uh, Royce on the wing, he's an absolute beast at left wing. He can play either wing really, but uh, left wing preferred. And I think that, um, if, if, if you were to, to switch him out, I, I think you could have with, uh, Moxie Phillip is like, a um, another option, you know, should, I, I, you know, you could, you could put, you could really take Moxie Phillip or, 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 uh, Marco Royce and put them on either wing and, uh, have a, 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 a you know, number nine in front of, um, uh, Pulisic at, number, at, at, at at the ten, that's a that's a really strong attack. But I still fancy Guts at the, you know if, if, if he's as a playmaking um, you know midfielder, uh, perhaps uh, you could have a midfield you know say Pulisic in the middle, and then uh, maybe when Kag- when Kagawa was healthy, you could have like a double eight of uh, Kagawa and Guts. That seemed to work for a while before Kagawa's injury uh, a couple months ago. So they were they were actually, I think uh, Kagawa's got the second or second or third most goals under Stuger since he took over behind uh, Bacuay. So, uh, you know, that's unfortunate with the injury, but there's a lot of options Dortmund actually has in midfield and in attack. It just seems to me that Stuger can't get the puzzle to fit correctly. All the pieces seem to be just scattered about and he can't really figure out the combination. So again, that comes down to tactical philosophy and the ability to uh, come up with some kind of scheme or system. And he, he's been unable to do that. And that's why Dortmund suffered so much in attack and uh, in scoring consistency. Jack, that's a that's a valid point you brought out there. You know, putting Pulisic in the in the middle and then having Royce in the wing because some of his uh, best times as a Dortmund player have come from that wing. Um, and it's funny because uh, we were talking about defense, and when I was on the Yellow Wall Pod, they said that you know Mats Hummels is what they said, like you said in Critty, uh, he's the biggest loss for them because they lost a world class defender, and who do they have now? Just average defenders. Uh, yeah. So kind of want to shift over to Schalke now, Jack, and what's your thoughts? Because it was an interesting line, a little wrinkle, different. Um, obviously, Fireman and Net in the back. We had the three of Benjamin Stambouli, Naldo, and Tilo Kerr in the middle. Caligiri as normal on the right. Goretzka, Benteleb, and Schoff on the left. And then you know, Harit uh, playing kind of like attacking midfielder with Bergstaller and Konoplyanka. That was an interesting insertion there, uh, adding Konoplyanka. Obviously, it did wonders for, uh, for Schalke during the match. 
Yeah, I think uh, you and I did a pretty good job predicting this. I, I know that we expected that that back three of uh, Stambouli, Naldo, and Kara with Nastasic picking up the season and uh, season-ending injury. Yeah, Nastasic uh, reader. Yeah, right. Uh, you talked about that on the yellow wall pod, how you you know anticipated Kara being on the left hand side. Um, he had quite a shaky start, but ultimately settled down, and I think was was fine in the end. Um, I, I had also talked about last week how the player I thought that we were missing against Hamburg was Konoplyanka. Yeah. Um, and you know you can talk about how he's a little bit one dimensional, but that's the kind of directness. Um, and, and energy that I thought we needed in that match and might serve us well in this one. So I was looking forward to seeing if he was going to be inserted into the lineup. Um, and, and, and he was. And, you know, Bentaleb continues his his uh, his run here with Meyer on the bench again, which is which is quite interesting. And then really the only wrinkle for me uh, was, as you say, uh, Alessandro Schiff coming in. Um, usually when that is the case, you see Caliguri f- switch over and go to the left hand side. Um, and for some reason, that did not happen today. Caligari stayed in his normal position and Shup came on the left. I think that's the uh, the only time this season that we've seen him in that position. But that created a really interesting um, overload, uh, if you will, yeah. um, where you had you know Shup and kind of playing it sometimes for read all running down that left hand side and, and putting a lot of pressure. And, you know, um, usually one of them was able to kind of get past, you know, the first line and, you know, be dangerous getting across in or something. So that was interesting. Uh wrinkle there but uh beyond that pretty standard uh DeSanto on the bench love to see that um (laughs) oh man rest in peace DeSanto wow (laughs) (laughs) well it seemed like Tedesco obviously learned his lessons from the first matchup yeah it was against Peter Bosch but uh it was Dortmund nonetheless uh Dortmund were clinical they're very speedy the speed killed us in, in the first in the first uh tie that we played uh, so, you know, playing with a very defensive lineup for Schalke, and it seemed to be, they, it seemed to be like, you know, you were saying Stoger's very uh, predictable. Uh, Schalke would be able to, to read the passes that were coming, and they jumped up perfectly every time. It was, whether it was Stambouli, whether it was Naldo, uh, or Tilo Kerr, they were, they were jumping the passes pretty, uh, and it, it seemed to stop Dorman from, uh, getting any kind of flow before they even get, you know, get started. Yeah, they, they were, uh, the, the, the pressing for Schalke was, uh, fantastic today. Another thing that I noticed uh, in the first half, particularly how much room Alessandro Schupp had down the wing. I mean, literally lanes and miles and swim lanes of space to just basically dribble uncontested until he reached the uh, the box. Uh, at that point, you know, you, you know, somebody obviously managed to get into space, but just traveling box to box, he had he was uncontested. I mean, you had uh, beautiful play from Schalke playing wide. They spread the pitch, so you know Dortmund was spread out, nice, nice and easy. Uh, I mean, just just a perfect storm of things, really. Uh, just not not how Dortmund likes to play. Uh, don't really like the you know don't really like to be punched too much in the face. Schalke was right in their face, like you said. Cut the passing lanes off. Pressing was awesome, and the the the, the width uh, of which Schalke played, I think, really was was the undoing uh, and, and kind of the killer because Dortmund they lack. Uh, defensive consistency when when there's narrow play, so you don't really have to have uh, uh, spread it too far out because those center backs are going to lose their marker. They're going to be, you know, at some point um, it, it, the, the ball seemingly always falls right behind them with uh, an, an opposing player uh, having lost the marker, and it's a one on one versus Berkey. This particular case, you spread them out wide, and it's it's almost game over. It's just a matter of time until something like uh, what happened in the 51st minute with Konoplyanka happened. So I think uh, in that aspect, Tedesco got his, his lineup absolutely perfect and absolutely, obviously his tactics as well. 
Do you think because, you know, Schoff being so open in the first half, do you think it was a combination of either lack of respect for Schoff or was it just a, the man marking by Dortmund was just completely off and they just completely lost him uh, during the game? Uh, I don't think it was a lack of respect. Uh, I think uh, Schoff has, has, has proven, I mean, even the last season, he, he, he has his moments where he's uh, quite the exceptional player. I mean, he, he, his thing has been, you know, for, for, from a Dortmund perspective, has been, to me, consistency. He can't do it match in, match out. But uh, certainly uh, the, the guy's had his moments where uh, he has looked uh, every bit the, uh, the, 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 the player that we all, you know, saw kind of today, uh, you know, blazing down the wing and, and, and really creating – uh, problems uh, for the opposing defense. I, I think it's just a matter of uh, Dortmund's uh, poor marking, as you said. I, I think that uh, you have a lot of finger pointing. I think that there's a lot of uh, obviously anxiety too in the back. I think that uh, they, the one thing they don't want to do is concede. I think that um, you know it's 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 at a point now where they've been they've basically. Not, I don't know if they've been told, but. The, the perception is and the reality is it's Champions League or bust. You guys can't miss the Champions League. Knowing how hard it is for Dortmund to string together attacks and build build up any kind of consistency in offense, I think the defense has added pressure on top of what, what already was a, a dire situation under Peter Bosch. Stürger obviously solidified it a little bit, but you know in the, in the last few weeks, obviously with Bayern, we saw exactly uh, what Dortmund really still are capable of, of, of giving up on, on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that they really understand that with four match days to go, there's little little room, margin for error, whatever you want to call it. And so there's a timidness and an anxiety or nervousness along with the fact that, I'm sorry, the player's not the fastest, not the brightest, not the most skilled anymore. And 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 those, uh, besides uh, Toprak, you know, you've got Piszczek, you've got Socrates, you've got Schmelza, all Jurgen Klopp holdovers. And, you know, with... I don't. They've been through now four managers in the last four seasons. So, you know, it, it's it, it's it's it, that's a recipe for disaster in my book. So, I think Shuff just had it. You know, uh, uh, what I would consider an, a, a below average uh, Bundesliga back four that he had to contend with, and it made him look good. And Richard, the one thing I want to ask you about this specifically is, um, for me, if there's a player uh, out of Caligari or Shuff that is is less composed on the ball. Um, and worse under pressure, it's shove. And so if you're going to shift one way or the, or the other and put you know maybe more pressure on one of them than the other, I would have thought they would have been shutting down Shup rather than Caliguri because they would have the opportunity maybe to you know get some turnovers from that and, and get on the counterattack where they can be very dangerous. And I, I just thought that was curious that they gave him the kind of space that they did. I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's got a great motor. He's fast. And um, I mean, there were so many times, as Critty said, where – you know, he picks up the ball a little bit behind, you know, the midfield line or right around there, and he is not challenged at all for 15, 20 yards or more and is able to just kind of advance that ball all the way into the final third. And I thought that was very strange. Yeah, that's why I was kind of – that's why I kind of asked so what was a lack of respect because uh, I would have thought you would have closed him down because I think Caligiri is such a hardworking player that he can muster through any kind of pressure you put through him. Uh, Schoff, on the other hand, he tends to break down and, and – give away passes and make a couple of mistakes when he's put under pressure. So I would, I'm, I'm with you, Jack, I would have put pressure on him and try to f- shift it over to him and try to force him to make the turnovers and, and go with a counter that way. Why it wasn't done. I don't know. Maybe, 
Um, I mean, Shroff has a lot of skill, a lot of talent, no doubt about it. Uh, uh, but, you know, when, when the pressure is on him, he tends to make those uh, silly mistakes. Well, on the other hand, Calagiri seems to do better under pressure. We saw what he did in the first the first time we played Dortmund. Uh, he, as the pressure got higher, it was four nothing. He got better in that game. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Jack. I thought I would have been I would have done the same thing and shifted over to Shof, uh during that, uh, especially in the first half. But hey, it, I'm not complaining. It, it ended up being, the first half ended up being zero zero there. Uh, Schalke did have more of the possession, more of the shots in that first half. Jack, uh, what did you what did you come away with in that first half? Um, despite it being goalless, I thought it was a, actually from sort of the neutral perspective, it was a good game to watch. It was very open, yeah, um, end to end. Yeah. Um, I mean, neither team got anything particularly convincing going on the offensive end, but, um, you know, there was a lot of, you know, interesting transitional play happening. And, um, you know, it's, it certainly seemed like until they got into the final third, at least either team had momentum, you know, when they're going down the pitch, it was, it was interesting to watch. It, I definitely had my attention. Um, you know, it was just kind of lacking, um, a, a creative product at the end from, from either team really. Um, and as, as, uh, as Critty has, you know, talked about that's something that's been lacking for Dortmund. I thought Maximilian Phillip was, was anonymous in the first yep, half, honestly. Absolutely. And I wasn't, I was not surprised that he was taken off. Um, and I thought, likewise, on the Schalke side, I thought, I mean, Harit was completely anonymous in the first half. I think half. it was a haircut. <laughs> right? Yeah, he got rid of his <laughs> locks. But because, you know, that's a player who's usually so elusive and, and is so important, you know, in transition and in counterattacking. And um, I, I don't even really remember much of him at all from the first half taking touches or anything. So um, a couple players from either team, I thought that. Uh, maybe didn't live up to the billing and, and you know, that maybe that affected both sides. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, you, you know, uh, uh, not, I'm not going to jump ahead too far, but just, just, just talking about player and personnel and, and, and player selection, you know, you, you, putting Mario Götze in, in the 85th minute is just such a joke. I mean, it's almost like a, yeah. a like bad comedy because now you, you know, obviously now you're, you're, you're taking a player off and putting a guy on that was the, uh, like I said, the MVP of the, of, of the first half of the season, and you're, now you're asking him to come in and save your ass when you're down 2-0 uh, in the Beltings Arena, which is, you know, at that point, you may as well, you may as well leave him off. I mean, it, 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 it's ridiculous. He, this, he should have been brought on. If you're going to bench him, which I strongly suggest not doing, but, you know, Sturger does what he wants. And if you do bench him and you bring him in, you're going to bring him in 65th minute, 70 minutes. He can give you, you know, 25, 30 minutes of, of outstanding football. Uh, at the very least, if there is no system and no and no uh, uh, tactical awareness, to, to, so to speak, from from Stuger's side, there is at least the chemistry between Götze and Royce, which goes back to 2013. Those two play extremely well together, and their uh, their link up uh, in attack uh, is 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 when, when it's on, it's on. That would have been something that could have been, uh, you know, a huge savior for Dortmund uh, and maybe gotten them that that equalizer they so desperately were looking for. Uh, and, and, and we're the stronger side for about 10 minutes there. Uh, I think, you know, somewhere around like the 60th to 70th minute, uh, Dortmund were really coming at Schalke. They were, they were pressuring. They, they had, they, they had Schalke's attention, but again, it's against such an organized defense. Uh, you have to have something uh, beyond what is the, like I said, the predictable uh, uh, Peter Sugar uh, attack. And that's where someone like Mario Götze teaming up with Marco Royce, not saying it would have happened, but saying it was better than the options that they were playing uh, in, 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 in today's game as, as, as a reality. Yeah, that really came to the advantage of Schalke in this one. And, and, and Tedesco has grown a reputation of making halftime adjustments. And uh, Stoger tends not to do, do so well at those. And uh, second half, you know, yes, you did bring Andre Schürrle in, in, in at halftime, but... 
Uh, it was Schalke was actually who came out with the attack and continued on the pressing, which led led to the goal uh, with Caligiri uh, pressing up against uh, uh, Schmelzer. Schmelzer made the turnover he admitted after the game. Uh, it was a poor touch by him, and he, it was his fault that the goal happened. Uh, good, good on Caligiri. Uh, he got the ball, and he ran at the defense. Uh, he did uh, draw the defenders in, and... And like you said, Critty, like you said earlier, you know, Socrates really made the, the poor mistake of going after Caligiri instead of going after the wide open uh, Yevon Konoplyanka there. Absolutely, uh, and that's and, and it's 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 nice that Schmelzer admits that. And I will say, yes, it started with him. But there's uh, two or three people you could point the finger at. Uh, Socrates, it's kind of like whoever touched the ball, whoever touches it last is the one that gets the blame. And in that <laughs> yeah. case, you know, even though Schmelzer lost that ball off of his poor for- first touch. There was still a chance to stop that attack. There, it's not like Schalke scored as soon as Kyle Jury intercepted the ball. He still had to get the pass to Konopianka. Konopianka had to still make the run, had to be uncontested. And, of course, there's still three, four seconds for any Dortmund defender, anybody wearing a yellow shirt, to get in front of this guy who's streaking down the pitch and, and, and break this thing up. And, 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 and just poor decision-making, poor timing, poor awareness. And, you know, when you have those three things combined with a, 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 a you know, a, a counterattack that was that was that well organized. Uh, yeah, you're going to concede, but uh, you know that's the thing is uh, it seems like those plays, uh, not just against, you know, you can't have that kind of play against uh, you know the, the the top the top two side in the Bundesliga. You just can't. I mean, it, you're, you're it's going to be hard pressed to recover from it. So, and I know one thing. I do have a question for you guys, real quick. Talking about the one nil. Uh, so the outsider perspective, if you're Dortmund or Mainz or Hanover, whatever whoever, whatever club you support, uh, it seems to be that if Schalke is up one nil, that's the death sentence for the opposing side. Do you think that maybe you guys are? Do you think you guys judge it a little bit har- harsher because, you know, you guys are still back to like 2014, 15, just Schalke being Schalke, the inconsistent play, just like, oh yeah, we can be up two nil, we're still going to, you know, uh, draw two two. Th- I feel like that Tedesco's turned that mentality around, though. I feel like that there's, a, there's he's instilled confidence in this side, and that a one nil lead is way safer uh, in 2017, 18 than it was in years past. I think he's instilled confidence in the side. I think for me, the issue is that. Until very recently, um, namely kind of right when we started this that six-game winning streak, Schalke did not win a lot of games 1-0. The only other game that they had won 1-0, I think, was against maybe Freiburg really early in the first half of the season. And so, you know, Schalke has struggled offensively all year. Um, they've scored a lot of goals from set pieces, dead ball situations. That's kind of bailed us out, and we saw that again today to some extent. But um, So I think for me, as good as Schalke has been defensively, um, it, the one no goal lead does not seem safe to us because I don't have confidence that we're going to get a second one. Um, right. and, okay. and, and, yeah, and until recently, we hadn't been able to win a lot of games one nil. And then I think I think I said that on a podcast, and then we won like two or three of our next four games one nil. Yeah. So, you know, just goes to show me. But uh, <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, R- Richard, do you want to weigh in there? Yeah, so I'm kind of in the same boat as you. And, and beginning of the se- beginning of the season, we were you know getting the lead, one goal leads, and then we'd blow them at the end, and the other team would either come back and draw or they'd beat us. And yes, the, the mentality has changed throughout the season, but and we're still harping that from that, and also from the seasons past where uh, we know one goal isn't going to be enough, and we've seen how the teams they're they they're get too close. They're, they're basically going you know, to try to set up shop, but they're giving the other team way too many opportunities, and it's too close for a call, and it gives you like a heart attack almost every game watching it, getting gray hairs just watching Schalke. Uh, but as that six-game win streak started happening, uh, that they had gotten better. And th- frankly, when Konoplyanka scores his goal in the 51st minute, from that point on, before the you know the second goal happened, that was probably the best Schalke's looked with the one nothing lead all season. Yeah. I thought, and, and I do I do agree with Critty that I, that I think it was um, 
I mean, Calgary made a very good play on this, honestly. Um, and it was almost kind of reminiscent of the the goal that we scored. I think it's Lens Leverkusen where um, he kind of Calgary made a similar move and then ultimately distributed to somebody up front on a counterattack. But um, as good as that play by Calgary was, it, this was a this was a really soft goal for me from the Dortmund perspective because um, as this ball gets picked up, Conoplyanke is like man marking Shaheen. Um, right on kind of like the, you know, the, the, the midway line. And once this ball turns over, Shaheen turns his back to kind of Blanca and never turns his head again. <laughs> and he, he never looks at him. He just, he just kind of ignores him and he's kind of tracking this run of Caligari. And then as you said about, you know, uh, Socrates or whatever, um, you know, he needs to see that and, and notice that Shaheen is committed to Caligari and then he needs to step over and pick up kind of Blanca and neither player does both of them ultimately, um, you know, jump in on Caligari and kind of Plianka never even goes into a full sprint here. He's basically jogging, jogging that yeah. that entire way, picks up the ball and just slots it home. And it's it's far too easy, I think, from the Dortmund perspective. If if I call, recall correctly, it wasn't it, yeah. First of all, Socrates never turned his head, so of course, ball watching. He's not even aware of like who's behind him. You know, blue shirt, really easy to pick out on the pitch. You're wearing yellow, they're wearing blue. Go get go get somebody. But <laughs> I think in, in 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 saying you know Shaheen's closing down on him as well. And I don't remember. I know uh, Schmelzer was behind, and I think Toprock might have been the other person that was in front of them. I'm I'm, I'm not 100 percent certain. I know Shaheen and Socrates were involved in the play because I've watched it about eight times, and I saw a number eight shirt, and I saw a good old Socrates number 25 never turn his head. So those yeah, I think two- I think Toprak came in at the last second to try to try to block it, but uh, Peace yeah. Check was way too far up the pitch when that turnover happened, and he wasn't yeah, able to absolutely. get back in time. But you know, just the idea that kind of Plianka can can start a run at the midway line and never even really break into a full sprint and then just receive a ball and tap it in is just, for me, it's too easy, especially in a derby. What about what the, what about the finish by Konoplyanko with his left foot and the left side? You know, he, we know him as a right-footed sh- uh, shot, and he always goes with his right foot. And so the fact that he was shot with his left foot and it was on target, pretty good power on it, Jack. Uh, a good finish by him, nonetheless. Yeah, well, he showed you, I guess. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Don't call him a one-footed player ever again. No, yeah, he, he very much is like that. He, he either crosses it or he cuts inside he's like you know the opposite of iron robin over on the left wing that's right, all he, right. it's basically his only move so yeah that was interesting to see him finish it with the left hasn't tedesco kind of revitalized his career he he kind of fallen out uh last well, season, right? zero, yeah 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 there's a lot of players that have been like that i mean max meyer is probably the most notable example he was kind of out of it and then you know got changed into a holding midfield position but yeah kind of Plianka, uh he hasn't necessarily played consistently but he has been in, more involved than i think he was previously and um i think he has a more defined role in my opinion like he, i think there's less being asked of him when mm-hmm. he's out there um and that's what i was talking about before is he, i mean he, he really only does like those one or two things but he does them very well and he's very direct and he puts teams under pressure and, and opens up spaces for other players so Schalke go up one nothing in this. It really opens up the derby with a with the goal by Konoplyanka. Um, just curious to see how Dortmund respond. They they got a little bit better uh, as far as creating opportunities go, but nothing really that threatened uh, that threatened Schalke pretty. Um, you guys made a you know you made a couple couple of I know Piszczek had a got a yellow in the sixty first minute shortly after the goal. Um, uh, who you guys brought in? You guys didn't have a substitute until for a while. I think uh, the hook uh, came so out and Sancho came in, right? Yeah, Shirley came in. Sancho came in uh, to provide some kind of offensive spark. And then, you know, the, the running joke gets comes in in the 85th. <laughs> so what, in the minutes between the first goal and the second goal, uh, obviously Dorman, you know, like you say, Dorman waits to get punched in the face before they, they kind of react. But they, they didn't react 
super strong. I mean, yeah, they had, they had more possession at that point. Uh, they're starting to boss the game a little bit, but they still weren't getting the scoring opportunities that you would expect them to get after getting punched in the mouth. Right, and and they so, in you know, it takes two to tango sometimes. So Schalke obviously let Dortmund have that possession. I don't think that Schalke was uh, necessarily. If you if you're looking right, at what yeah. what yeah, if you're looking at what happened in the first half, if you're looking uh, where so you know you review things in in, in in the dressing room, you say okay, have they threatened us? Have they had possession? When they had possession, what have they done with the ball? Uh, up to that point, as you said, Fairman really uh, kind of an easy day at the office there for the first 45 minutes. Nothing really to uh, to get too scared about. So Schalke goes up 1-0, and that's where I think the mentality comes from of a lot of the outside fans or neutrals. Um, you, you see that 1-0, and then Schalke says, ah, yeah, we're going we'll, we're gonna to be organized in defense, go back. We're going to play this uh, – uh, this, this, uh, we're going to put 10 guys in front of goal, and uh, we'll see what Dortmund can do. So Dortmund comes down. They have possession – uh, it's 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 a lot of passing, a lot of crosses, and honestly, to me, it's a, a bunch of uh, uh, bricks that are just kind of hurled into the box uh, with a, with a, with a prayer note attached to it, um, hoping that somehow somebody. I mean, you look at the the corners. Surely gets that corner. I believe it was late in the match, and he just he doesn't even connect. He just overshoots it and hit and and, and shoots it right out of bounds again. I mean, it goes <laughs> goes it goes all the way across in, in a kind of a bow, and, and and I mean, just completely off. I mean, everybody. For Dortmund was just completely off. You know, Royce, you could see the frustration in him. Uh, He did get the one good shot off. I believe it was late in the second half. He kind of um, Dortmund finally broke through. Uh, He gets he gets his foot on it, but um, uh, just you know didn't didn't strike it quite well enough. I know he went right to Fairman. I mean, hit him literally in the gloves. Um, I think it was a couple minutes later. uh, Somebody else actually got a ball off, and once again, right at Fairman. No 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 worries. Uh, dead center. So, I mean, you know, at that point, I think Dortmund's basically just shooting for shooting's sake. I don't think there's actually, um, there's, there, there's tons of blue shirts in front of the ball anyway. So you got, and Fairman's in exactly the right place where there is the opening. So he's, you know, the one place that you're, that you're going to have an opening where there's not a blue shirt, the keeper's there. So really kind of a, a few, uh, active futility. Yeah, and the thing that that I noticed, and this kind of goes into what I was saying about maybe the position that Royce is playing earlier, is that um, it, Royce strikes me as a player who needs to be kind of the finishing product um, on the end of a chance rather than creating. And it seemed like your entire offense was going through two players, Pulisic and Royce, the entire time, and they were yeah. kind of the ones who were had the responsibilities to build things up and were uh, you know the ones that had possession in the final third, trying to break into the box and. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that Pulisic shouldn't be in that role, but I, I don't know. It just, it just seemed like, you know, the service wasn't there for Batshuayi today. And, uh, you know, it, Royce wasn't able to get into dangerous areas to receive the ball because he was the one that was trying to create them for other people because no one else was really stepping up. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. If you look at, uh, uh, as, 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 as you guys just said a couple minutes ago, Royce's uh, greatest uh, moments in, 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 in a Dortmund shirt have come, obviously, from that left wing position where, um, he's he's been the finishing touch, not necessarily the uh, the, the 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 key pass or the or, or the creative magic that's gotten the ball to him. So you know he's not he's not looking for somebody else. He's the guy that people are looking for. Uh, so when 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 you know you have that kind of setup, that's where Dortmund, especially you know number eleven, is going to be at his most successful. But uh, again, you have to have someone like a I say Shinji Kagawa or Mario Götze out there. Who's a little bit more natural in that role than Christian Pulisic? He, you know, Pulisic's been mainly a winger his entire Dortmund career. You know, he's been 
spurts here and there where he's I, I would I would welcome the change if, if if you know if somebody came in with an actual not some a panic Sturger move that he's like oh, I'm gonna move you know pull a stick to the number ten and see what the hell happens no but actually somebody comes in and says you know I I, I see the potential there I think we can make this guy into an outstanding central attacking mid uh, move uh, Royce out uh, permanently back to the to the to the left wing position and see where it goes from there but I still think that uh, in order to do that you need you you would you would need obviously you need some time to prepare for it and get uh, Pulisic uh, adjusted to that role. So, uh, you know, it just when you have two wingers out there being your creative juice, so to speak, and you're trying to get service into your guy, the one guy that Schalke actually knows is a absolute goal-scoring threat, Batshuayi, you're – I mean, they had they had his number all night. You could see yeah. his frustration. I mean, it, it, you know, you, you shut him down honestly and – you just basically he comes back and and he 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 he, he get, he's very good in link up play. Um, didn't see too much of that today. He wasn't really dropping back. Uh, and if he doesn't get touches, Dortmund is I would say their 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 offense and and offensive capabilities are cut in half if he doesn't get touches. Mm. Well, the game was looking uh, very comfortable with Schalke, like they were going for uh, a comfortable win. Uh, but now they would put uh, Dortmund out of their misery in the 82nd minute uh, before that free kick. I believe it was Amin Harit Jack that uh, drew the foul. He didn't do much all game, but I think he got fouled at the top of the box. Was that him or was it Piazza? I missed that. <laughs> That's actually a good question. I don't remember myself. Yeah. Uh, if, so, if, it was, if it was Harit, that would be a pretty classic setup for a Schalke free kick. We've seen that a number of times. And the one thing I will say about Harit is he did have a couple of nice. Uh, I think he grew into the game a little bit. He was better in the second half of the first. But uh, yeah, somebody drew a free kick. It might have been Harit, and then you set up <laughs> Naldo. Yeah. So it, this, you know, before the free kick, you had you know Naldo, you know way back it looked like his line for a shot. With you had Calagiri and and Marco Piazza you know, re- ready to set him up. And I I've been saying this all season long, Jack. I'm tired of seeing Naldo go for these shots because he never scores. Stop shooting them. What does he do? He scores a bullet of a goal through the back of the net. Uh, gives Shaka all three points. Uh, two nothing victory. What a goal. Yeah, I mean, wait, 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 shut me up. And what a time to do that as well. As he's, I mean, we know that he's done this. He did this a number of times at Wolfsburg and throughout his career. This is kind of like you know a free kick approach that he's yeah. he's famous for, and he's he's tried it a number of times this season. And it he hasn't really been all that close anytime he's done it. All of his goals have been coming off of uh, you know corner kicks and you know and other set pieces. Um, and he still has found the back of the net a number of times, but it hasn't been from here. And uh, you know it, it almost seemed like maybe. Uh, there was some discussion about trying to keep him from doing that. I couldn't tell if yeah. you know everyone was a hundred percent in or not, but uh, you know he wound up for that one. And I mean, I don't think you can hit it much more sweetly than that. It's an absolute laser bolt, and it's it's curling away from Berkey. Yeah. Um, right through this hole that you know the Dortmund left in terms of you know they, they, the wall was a little bit over to the left from where he had that entrance, and uh, I mean. He's been so clutch for us so many times this season, especially we talk about Schalke's offensive struggles. You know, that that Naldo was probably, what, our second highest goal scorer this season next to Bergstaller? And he's close. He's close. Yeah, I mean, he's come up time and time again. It's the second time he's done this, you know, in the Riviera Derby this season. And, uh, I mean, what can you say about this guy? 35 years old, at the end of his career, we pick him up on a free transfer. We're not expecting all that much out of him. Um, And he ends up being, this season arguably our most important player if not if not one of them and the guy all he does is just put in lockdown defensive performances and come up in huge moments on the offensive end and it was it was i mean brilliant to see i i sincerely hope this guy gets a shot at a world cup i don't think he's going to but um if he doesn't it's not because he hasn't deserved it because i mean he's done he's been brilliant 
Yeah, his shots were uh, reminiscent of Marcelo Bordone back in the day. Uh, pretty. Uh, I was going to say Roberto Carlos. He reminded me. Of that. Yeah, that yeah. too. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But se- seven, seven goals from a center back. I mean, what, what, what? I, I, that's unbelievable. That's unheard of. At I think he's one away from his. I think he's one away from his hot career high too. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, Naldo. I mean, how does it feel to not be in Wolfsburg, huh? Mm. <laughs> I'm sure everybody loves not being in Wolfsburg. Right yeah, Cal- Caligari as well. They all Caligari jump ship too. at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> so that goal pretty much sealed the deal. Wasn't much, you know. The only thing we see the rest of the game was Mario Gotza making an appearance, and uh, yeah, and that was yeah. laughable at that because really a player like of that quality should get more opportunity. Um, uh, the unfortunate part of the, of the game, other than the loss for you, Critty, was, uh, Badashwai got an injury at first. You thought it just, you know, he fell down, but it, it may have been like an Achilles or something. Did you hear anything more from this injury after the game? Uh, no, I haven't, I haven't heard anything yet. And, and, and uh, it looked, uh, really nasty. As he said, I, I was looking, I kept looking for, um, you know, these, these, these buzz texts to come through or something like that to say, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Dortmund Ford, uh, Mishi Bachwai's been, you know, He's going in for X-rays or, or, or um, MRI tomorrow. No, I haven't seen anything on it. I mean, sure, there's some some stuff out there now, and go go in. I'm, I'm you know, for people who are listening to this, they'll probably already know that he's either done something or or it wasn't as serious. But I can say it did. It looked pretty serious. I mean, they they brought out the stretcher, and he was uh, looked to be in pretty agonizing pain. Uh, the way that the replay, I saw three different angles of it. I think uh, Fox did a great job of of, of showing us uh, every gruesome angle they could get their hands on. And it it did not uh, for someone who's banged his angle up before it looked worse than anything I've ever done. So um, I'm hoping that he's okay. I don't. I think it's safe to say that that's not going to uh, be something he gets up and walks away from tomorrow. Yeah, it. I don't think it was a particularly dangerous tackle from Stambouli. I just think it was an unfortunate play where his ankle ended up getting caught under him at the wrong moment. And yeah, um, I mean, you could see from his reaction. That I mean, it, it, that almost made me more worried because when I I mean, it, it obviously did not look good on replay, right? But no. um, nothing nothing looked like it moved, or like it, so it didn't look like you know anything was broken or you know, something like that. Anything. But his his reaction to it lets you, lets you know that he was in quite a bit of pain. So but he had his hand he had his hand up to tap out when he was in mid air yeah. falling. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. even like he'd hit the ground yet. He was still. That's in, I in wonder like, if it was a tendon Achilles tendon or something when. You know, it's, when something I mean, snaps is usually when you're like, okay, I'm out. I really hope not. But then yeah. again, if that's the case, then Chelsea's like, okay, you can have him. Yeah, I mean, it could, it could have even been an, a, like a knee ligament thing with the way oh, that he sold yeah. leg turned. But, um, I mean, that's just – that's super unfortunate. Uh, you know, he, as good as Aubameyang was for Dortmund, um, his attitude – you know, before he left was just kind of annoying, even for people that aren't Dortmund fans. And Batshuayi yeah. has been such a breath of fresh air for me coming into this Dortmund side. He, I mean, he's incredibly talented. It's great that he's getting, you know, consistent first team minutes now. And uh, he's, I mean, he's a great personality on Twitter and you know, he, he's great to watch on the pitch. And I've been really excited. Um, I mean, not that I'm rooting for Dortmund, but I've right. been excited to see that for, for him and for, for them. And this is just, uh, I mean, he worked hard today. It didn't go his way. And then to have this go on top of that is, is just terrible. So I know uh, Richard, Richard and I reach out, you know, best wishes to him on a speedy recovery. We hope he's yeah, okay. The same here. And I thought it was kind of funny how Fox, like during their, during their uh, broadcast, they're like, you know, it was like this guy's got world cup aspirations and all this stuff. And got, and then the other guy on there, I forget it was, I know Stefan Freund was, uh, Maybe it was him that was actually one commenting. He's like, "Oh, you know, Belgium's fine. They've got Origi. They've got Benteke. Yeah, they've got yeah. Kaku. Yeah, they don't. They don't really need to." I'm like, "I'm like, cut, I mean, come on, cut the guy some slack, man. He just he might have like some like really <laughs> serious injury." And you're like, "Yeah, Belgium's fine. They they don't really they're, they're, yeah. they're, 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 they're good with that." I'm like, "I'm like, that's that. 
classy there, Stefan Freund. Classy indeed. That's that. Um, that's that cold, logical German precision, right? There you go. Absolutely, right. absolutely. So this game, uh, the res- after the results of this game, uh, looking at the table here, Evil Empire sits in first with seventy-five points. Uh, Schalke are in second, twenty points behind at fifty-five. Uh, Leverkusen jump ahead of Dortmund after results of this weekend, just based on goal differential. But they're really, they're tied in points at fifty-one. Then Leipzig at forty-seven uh, at fifth place, and then one point behind them is uh, Hoffenheim and Eintracht Frankfurt. Guys, you know where do we go from here? I mean, obviously Bayern's going to win the title this year. Um, DFB Pokal is still up for grabs, you know, with the teams remaining. But looking ahead to next year, uh, Critty penned a, penned a nice article for BTV Buzz called The Vatska Vey is the Wrong Way for Borussia Dortmund. And really, it's, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Critty, it's basically saying how Dortmund, and really, and this relates to us because Schalke also very much are in a very much into selling mentality as opposed to a buying mentality like Dortmund or like, uh, Bayern are. So how do, how do these two teams change to try to compete with Bayern from here on out? Oh, it's an interesting. Um, you know, the, the 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 Byron way of business is the why is the reason that I, you know, uh, over twenty years ago, stopped, did not support Byron, even living in the state. I I, I supported Dortmund, especially. You know, I, I came up with the uh, Matias Sama uh, days, Andreas Müller, and was a part uh, watching them on the uh, Champions League nineteen ninety seven, and that's where I really started supporting them. And uh, the mentality in this whole, you know, if you look at, uh, you know. Echte Liebe, and you look at Wir uh, dich, and just Schalke and Dortmund's mentality, it's all about love for the club and all this stuff. Right, well, that's, right. that's, 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 and that's great. I, I think that's fantastic. But at some point, you know, at the end of the day, professional football is a business, and Bayern are businessmen. They, they've, been, they've been in the, the, uh, the business of winning football and you know, doing things the uh, Mia San Mia way, if you will, for you know, the better part of 50 years now. And they, they really, they're cutthroat. And the, the one thing is... Two things that fi- that stand out to me: Dortmund has all this, you know. It, it's it's all about Provatsky is about uh, uh, profit share and, and 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 showing a profit and and being able to give the shareholders uh, something to to chew on. And it's also Dortmund's unique position in being a publicly traded company, if you will, on the uh, German stock exchange. Only a Bundesliga club uh, to to do that. So for them, it, it's 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 about changing the mentality and realizing that. I think a lot of with, with, with Dortmund, this and Schalke really hasn't had to go through anything like this. But with Dortmund in 2005, with the bankruptcy scare, right. there was a slow rebuild. And, you know, you, you, you have Thomas Dahl and you have some really bad managerial hires. And then you get Jurgen Klopp. And then Klopp makes, uh, you know, kind of uh, this, this, this magical team out of all these youngsters. And, and, and he literally catches lightning in a bottle. And now that he's doing it at Liverpool, it's not by coincidence. I mean, what he did at Dortmund was was legitimately a fantastic job on his part as a man manager and as both a, a, a tactic, tac, tactician. But what Dortmund has to do as far as uh, the, the personnel is they have to go out and they have to take a chance on, on these stars. You know, uh, it's almost like they go out for like Chiro Immobile and he doesn't work out the first year and they give up on him. And or he, or he says, you know, I want to go back to Italy. I really don't like it here, and that's that's fine. But that is, you can't get jaded by that because you had one mishap. Byron admits that they have two out of every three players they buy, they fail. But the one, the, uh, one of the three that does succeed for them is, is a superstar. Right. Dortmund has this, 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 um, you know, with the with the uh, uh, Knabenschmiede in, in in Schalke, and then Dortmund's youth system as well. They produce fantastic players. It's about not necessarily. Um, you know, going out and just relying completely on getting a superstar. I think every now and then it doesn't hurt for Schalke to get someone like Raul, like they did a couple of years back, 
And, you know, obviously for Dortmund, you know, you go out and get what you thought Andre Schiller was, they thought was going to be good. And, 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 you know, obviously it hasn't worked out that way. But, you know, player retention, you got to retain your players. Someone like Leon Goretzka cannot walk to Bayern. Someone like Mario Götze at age 21 can't walk to Bayern. You have to, you have to convince them to stay. And the way the Schalke... Uh, first and foremost is going to be able to do it is do it consistently with Champions League football. You know, this is the first year they've been back since 2014-15 uh, season. They didn't qualify that year, but they were they were in the Champions League that year. Right. And if Schalke can do that, if they, if they can get a don't let Tedesco leave and, and have something happen like what's going to happen with Nico Kovac, get him to stay, uh, entice him, give you know, pay your players. And I know the the wage structures. The one thing that Batsky has always said: well, we don't have, we can't pay the wages. We can't pay the wages. Yeah, I mean. I'm not saying you're going to be able to afford uh, someone like uh, Eden Hazard. I'm, that, that's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is that if you have someone, uh, in the case of uh, Marco Royce, uh, we've been lucky with him because of his his own personal mentality, but you, you have to convince these guys to stay. They're the backbone of your club. Leon Goretzka, for me, was, you know, uh, he he was a player that I, 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 and I, and I know, Richard, you said on, on, the, on the Yellow Wall pod that, uh, you, you, you kind of think that McKinney can come in and kind of do a lot of the same things. He's more right. raw, but you think that he could possibly uh, uh, eventually replace Goretzka in that role. But Goretzka, for me, is a German international. He's going to play a big part of the World Cup, and I think he's a fantastic player. That's a guy that Schalke, I know, did everything in their power to stay. But what was missing? What? what why does he want to leave You know, and, and, and go to Bayern? So uh, why does Manuel Neuer say, I'm never I'm never going to wear anything but blue, and then he goes to Bayern? You know, what? what's – Yeah. That's – that's the key is 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 retaining these players that come up through these through the youth systems two outstanding academies two of the best in my opinion in the world and yet you see all these players going to bigger and better things the third example is someone like Leroy Sané uh you know he's to me still not the complete product i think two or three more years at Schalke two at least would have done him a, a world of good and you know, eventually maybe you move on to bigger and better things, but uh, there, there, there was just so much. I felt like there was so much uh, still left for him to do in a blue shirt. And you know, at the first offer Manchester City offers up, and 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 Schalke takes. You know, it's a it's about saying no occasionally as opposed to always saying yes. So I mean, here's my thing. You mentioned that Schalke getting back into the Champions League, assuming we don't shit the bed here in the last four games and something crazy happens. But yeah. uh, assuming we get back in the Champions League, I mean, you're saying that's going to help with player retention and talent attraction. And, and I agree, but even that hasn't been able to stop it in the past. You know, Manuel Neuer leaves. Uh, more, I mean, Matip and, and Zane, you know, both leave. Um, you know, when I think we're still in position for European football. And, mm-hmm. you know, this year, people were thinking, at least, that, you know, if if Schalke did qualify for the Champions League, that that might help Goretzka stay around, and it's looking like we will, and he's he's already gone. It looks like Max Meyer's leaving too, so clearly it's not just a matter of you know getting European football for these guys. Um, I don't know if it's money or, or what it is, if it's just purely titles. I mean, from I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not, I'm nowhere near being a professional footballer, so I, I would have no idea, you know, what the thought process is. But to me, like, I don't know if I'd want to just go to Bayern just to win a title, you know, by 20 points. I don't know why that's more satisfying. Yeah. Than you know, sticking with your club and trying to climb that hill. I I don't know what the answer is, but for me, for Schalke, it's 
yeah, they need to retain players, but if they are going to lose them, they need to make money off of them because the amount of people we lose for free is just absurd. It's it's looking like it's going to be Goretzka and Meyer this season. Um, I mean, we got money for Neuer, we got money for Zane, but you know, guys like uh, uh, uh to Arsenal was free. Matip was a free transfer to Liverpool, and you just you just can't have that. I mean, it's not that Schalke is necessarily hurting for money, but. Um, I mean, if you're going to lose this talent, you have to at least get something out of it and capitalize on it. Well, there's, there's two things with Schalke. They, they gotta, they gotta stop losing players for free. First of all, make money if, like you said, off them. But really, it looks like they're in it for money, trying to make money by selling players like Sané. They sold him 50, 50 million euros and whatnot. You know, at some point, you got to realize, okay, yeah, it's nice to make money, but also you want to become a prestigious type club, get to get the title. So the only way you do that is by keeping the players and not losing them free, not selling them, and becoming the selling mentality as other, other clubs w. So. It's, it's, I mean, I think Heidel's doing a, a fantastic job now. We'll see. He, he did lock the McKinney for five years. So that's a great, great start. Uh, but it's got to continue to change, not just, you know, one player here or there. Um, the, 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 so two other things too. I think that, uh, Dortmund had a unique position this past season with two absolutely terrible people as far as attitude goes with Usman Dembele and Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. And the, the fact that Dembele was, uh, you know, a 19-year-old acting like a 12-year-old uh, kind of forced Dortmund's hand. You know, I am, I'm of the mentality. It's, it's, you, you kind of get a split reaction on this. Half the Dortmund fans are like, sell them to Barcelona. It's fine. Get the money. You know, get out. If you reinvest it wisely. Instead, they get with panic buy. They get uh, uh, Yarmolenko. It doesn't work out in their favor. It's only been one year. I'm not giving up on the guy just yet. But couple, I mean, he's not going to replace, you know, Dembele on, on, on that wing uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Second one, you know, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, he's uh, two years now obviously been on the hot seat to get out of Dortmund. And, uh, you know, they, they finally pulled the trigger this past winter and you know Schalke really hasn't had two headache cases like that where you go into a preseason I think what it really is is everyone wants that Bundesliga title on their resume and if we've been looking and paying attention that's been you 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 get that by default at Bayern you're just automatically going to be a Bundesliga champion I think that for Dortmund one of the reasons that they 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 did retain their players for at least a, a, a little bit of time there, especially under Klopp, was the fact that they were back-to-back Bundesliga champions between 2010 and 2012. Schalke has got to show that these second-place finishes, I believe, are consistent, and that eventually that second place can 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 you know move up to a first place. And like you said, you got to lock up players now. Goretzka and Meyer are still a part of. A lot of what I would call uh, just kind of uh, the Germans have an, have an expression for it, but it's like you know um, the 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 the, the uh, it's like unruhig is what they say. It's just very it's it's always a, a kind of a panic mode in Schalke when things start you know uh, going awry. And they're there, so they they were there for uh, you know Max Meyer, I believe, was still there for like uh, uh, Di Matteo, I think, and. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he's been through Breitenreiter, he's been through Avancia, uh, um, uh, uh, and now you got Tedesco. So I, I think that there's this like those two players are like, you know what, this this, this might be a flash in the pan. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my 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 chances while the, the the money's hot and get the hell out of here. But like players like McKinney, players like Harit, players like Bentaleb, they're they're part of this. I, I don't want to say new Schalke generation, but this this new crop. And if they see consistency that, hey, Schalke is going to be a major Bundesliga player for the next five, six, seven years for the foreseeable future, it's going to be, say, the big like the big four like it used to be, Leverkusen, uh, Schalke, Dortmund, and, and Bayern, then I think there's a, uh, there's a greater chance of, uh, you know, you're not going to keep everybody, but certainly keeping more than they have uh, over the past few years. Like you said, you guys have been ravaged with with free with free uh, people just departing for, for for no compensation and 
that's for a club like Schalke. Yeah, you guys aren't struggling for money, but I mean that certainly doesn't help. And that's what I'm hoping is going to take place with Tedesco. It's been one season, so incredibly small sample size, and I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself. And you know, who knows if he keeps this up, maybe he'll depart for greener pastures as well. But um, I mean, as you say, Schalke is kind of a crisis club, and they have a revolving door of managers, and it looks like we may have struck gold here and have the potential to have one of our best managers ever, certainly of the last few years. And if we can keep him for a couple of years and get some sort of consistency mm-hmm. going, you know, maybe that will help too. So you, you might be right about that. Absolutely. Well, this is uh, certainly a hot topic for both Schalke fans and Dortmund fans, and we could probably talk another week about this thing. Uh, <laughs> but I think on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Um, Stay tuned next week. We're going to talk a touch a little bit based on uh, Salif Sane, the new signing from uh, Hanover for Schalke. So we'll get into that next week. Uh, keep tuning in each week as we'll bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, Opta Franz, and the Bundesliga for providing us tidbits for our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet at SO4 underscore podcast. We also want to thank our very, very special guest, Critty Smith. Critty, where can our listeners find you on social media, and how can they follow you? Uh, so on Twitter, I'm at Critty Smith, uh, C-R-I-T-T-Y-S-M-I-T-H, and uh, just started a, a new podcast on the uh, 4, that's F-O-A-R, www.foresight.com. Uh, that's Fields of Anfield Road. Uh, it is a, a European Super League podcast called The Kings of Europe. Uh, it can be found on iTunes under The Forecast. That's F-O-A-R-C-A-S-T. Or you can go directly to the site, uh, www.foresight.com, and listen to the podcast. Kings of Europe, basically a comprehensive recap of all things Champions League, Europa League, and uh, the, the uh, what they call the top five leagues in Europe. Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga. Premier League and of course League A. So that's um, that's what, that's a little project we started. Uh, got some got some uh, uh, good guests coming up. I hope to have you gentlemen on as well. So um, yeah, that's what I got cooking right now. What about any articles? You got you got any articles coming up? Yeah, uh, I just wrote a, a, an article on Emre Chan uh, and his departure from speaking of departures. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> of, of, of people of disgruntled employees uh yeah on the uh, uh foresight um i his you know how his his kind of attitude is has kind of shifted and changed that's gotten some some uh, uh some good feedback so far that was this past week i will be doing uh of course for bvb buzz i do a lot of the uh, match takeaways and as far as the yellow wall pod goes i do all the uh, bundesliga uh, the dortmund previews so i will be doing previews up until the uh the off season and i've always got some articles under my under my belt um the funny thing is that uh it's kind of like when the creative spark hits me that's that's when i write and boom there it is so uh the Botsky article that you mentioned um just Really, with the Obama Yang uh, departure and just how things had kind of uh, uh, gone the way that they had at Dortmund these past uh, couple transfer windows, it, it was just time to write that article. Did my research, looked looked at the things, and, and said, you know, uh, this this guy, he's been a great CEO overall, but um, you know, it's not 2005 anymore. It's time to move on. So, but always going to have some some articles under 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 the belt. They just uh, they kind of hit me as they come. And uh, other than that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on Yellow Wall Pod, BBB Buzz, and at the uh, Kings of Europe podcast. Awesome. We'll make sure we uh, retweet all of that stuff. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. I had a blast. Jack, uh, where can our followers find you on social media? Well, first of all, let me just echo that. Pretty absolute uh, pleasure having you on. We greatly appreciate it. And then uh, as far as I go, you can follow me on Twitter at J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. Uh, very excellent. 
Uh, you can find me at r underscore k h a r m a n. Um, pretty much anywhere as well. Uh, I also want to give a, th- a, a shout out to the Yellow Wall Pod for having me on their podcast, and also I was on the Tyler Dunn uh, Banner FC show uh, just before this show, actually. So uh, that should be out on Friday. So uh, thank you to everyone who's uh, been contributing to the Shaka podcast. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Um, so once again, uh, you can find us uh, at so four underscore podcast on Twitter. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoots. Sure.